At its October 2010 Director-Choreographer Network, SDC Director of Member Services Barbara Walcoff moderated a panel featuring SDCF Director of Foundation Ellen Rusconi, Theater Communication Group's Director of Artistic Programs Amelia Cacciapero, and the Drama League's Artistic Director Roger Danforth. Topics cover programs offered, what constitutes a successful candidate and application, interview tips, plus insider advice from previous program applicants who were awarded the opportunity. This conversation is an exciting and clear look into a successful application process. Hello, I'm SDC Director Susan Schulman, and you are listening to Masters of the Stage. This program is produced by the Stage Directors and Choreographers Foundation and presented by the SDCF, the American Theater Wing. The SDCF has released these archives in an effort to further education regarding the crafts of direction and choreography. Um, we have here with us today, we have Amelia Cacciapero from Theater Communications Group, the Director of Artistic Programs, Roger Danforth, the Artistic Director of the Drama League, the Director's Project, and Ellen Rusconi, who's the Associate Director of the Stage Directors and Choreographer Foundation. And like Gresham said, we are working on the, on the assumption that everybody knows about the programming that, that all of these folks um, do, and so we're going to just skip past that. So, I'm going to start with Ellen and say, um, talk about, start, start by telling us what it is you're looking for in an essay since that's generally the beginning of this process for everyone. Um, most of our programs ask for an artistic statement, which most, most of you, many of you I know from having applied to our programs. Um, and we're really looking for somebody who, we're really looking for an applicant who can articulate an artistic viewpoint. That is uh, the starting point, I think, for being um, a person who will benefit from our programs. We have to see that in order to think, okay, this person is ready to participate in one of our programs. Whether it's an observership, a fellowship, um, a guest artist initiative. So writing skills are really crucial. Um, beyond that, we're looking for commitment. We're looking for somebody who goes out and actually has the initiative to create their own opportunities. We're looking, I'm looking to see that a candidate is not waiting for a program. They're not waiting for a program. That is really important because you can't become a director or a choreographer through programs. It really needs to be through your own initiative. And sure, take advantage of programs, but don't wait for them. Um, we look for commitment, like I said. We look for flexibility. And I really strongly look for somebody who I'm going to be comfortable putting in a room with some of the top directors in the country or, you know, in a placing in a college program. I should say the college programs, although actually I don't make any of the decisions for the... Uh, we, we leave... That's our guest artist initiative program, and we leave all decisions to the colleges. But I always go through, and I just, you know... I, I hope they pick someone who seems very comfortable in that environment. So that's really, that's really, those are the qualities that I look for. Mm -hmm. Roger? Um, we, our applications require two essays and a statement of purpose, and that's been changing over time. Uh, we asked for a one-page personal essay and a two-page production essay. And if we used to say uh, a play by, I used to always pick two authors, like a play by Chekhov and a play by Ibsen, or a play by Albee and a play by Shakespeare. 
And the past few years, I've actually narrowed it down to choosing four plays. Because somebody would always, like Tennessee, or somebody comes up with uh, Stairs to the Roof, which is one of these lost, found plays, and I'd like to have to dig around and try to find a copy of it. And I was like, enough of that. <laughs> um, while I appreciated their initiative on that, it's like, it's often, they, I send them out to a panel, and the panelists are like, do you have a copy of this play? And I'm like, I'm searching for it. So I, I, sometimes it did not help them to be that sort of uh, inventive. So, uh, like last year, they were the four plays. I was just trying to remember what we did. We did Anna in the Tropics, Ruined, uh, An Enemy of the People, and uh, The Three Sisters. Those are the four plays. And I had to read them, pick one, and write a production essay. I would say the, the personal essay is to try to give a window into who they are and it, in one page. And it can be about anything about them. And I, I, I look for something... You know, obviously, some people try to be very unique and write about a unique background, and that's great. But often, you know, we say we have suggestions there. If you're, you know, you can write about a production that succeeded and why a production that failed and why and stuff like that. And those I find some of the more interesting ones when people are really assessing when they did something good and why it paid off, or particularly when when something didn't work and why. And but the question is what they learned from it. And people often. I'll be honest, like to really sort of tell you tragic stories. You get a lot of those and often don't end it with what they got out of it. They somehow seem to really like reveling in the the bad thing that happened to them, which is always a bit of a surprise. Um, On the production essay, the big question I always want to get from people is how. I cannot tell you how many people say, the actors will do this. My set will do this. I'm like, how are you going to do that? What do you mean your actors will do this? You would like them to do this, and maybe you can get them to do this, but how are you going to do this? And a lot of people don't put the how in. If there's one thing that I find over and over and over again that people don't include, it's the how, which staggers me. It's like, I, I, you know, I'm a director. I always wish that this will happen, but you know what? you got to plan and try to figure out how it's going to happen. It isn't going to happen by magic. And that's the biggest. That's, if there's one thing I can say, it's put in the how. How are you going to do it? What techniques do you use? What, what what vocabulary do you use? How do you talk to actors? What are you trying to achieve with them? How will you try to get them to do what you want? How will you try? How will you work with your designer? And, and the other thing is, people often want to be their designers. They want to talk about their sets and stuff like that. You know how they're going to build them and stuff like that. And it's like I don't require you to be a set designer. I require you to be a director. Talk about your ideas for a set. But you don't have to lay it out for me. We're not asking you to design it. And, and I can understand that coming from young directors because they're often doing their own designing. But we tell them to imagine, oh, and here's the other thing that really gripes me. We say, imagine a production everywhere. And people go, I want to design this in a 99-seat black box. Now, I realize you spend your lives as young directors working in 99-seat box, black boxes, but come on, don't you want to work at the Delacorte? You know, I'm asking you to dream. Let's go. Come on, I want to hear your dreams. And uh, people are always, they they want them intimate in 200 seats and stuff like that. And I I worry that nobody envisions how they will fill an 800-seat theater. Okay, I'll shut up. Uh, Actually, I'd like to know a little bit about you guys before I start talking, because it would help me frame some of my comments. I'm going to just ask a series of things and maybe just uh, raise your hands, and some of these things may apply to you more than once. Okay. Uh, how many of you uh, are directors? Okay. Choreographers? Uh, how many of you also design? 
Okay, great. Um, and uh, how many of you have had uh, at least three professional productions, not necessarily equity shows, but where? Okay. Uh, how many of you have had more than five professional? More than 10? 15? 20? Ish. Okay, okay, great, great. That gives me a, a good idea. Thank you for that. Um, we've got a couple of different programs, and um, uh, we really are programs uh, in the NEA Directors Program, uh, of which B and Michael are um, alums or participants in the program. It's the NEA TCG Career Development Program for directors. We also have one for designers. Um, what we're finding is that uh, a lot of artists now are, are slashers, which is what we're called. I mean, you're, you know, you're an actor slash writer slash designer slash director. Uh, so in the NEA programs, you need to... Uh, apply for the one where it is your primary focus. So if you're also a choreographer, if you're also an opera director, if you're also one of these other things, that's all great. But the program is specifically looking for those who are uh, committing uh, to a career in the not-for-profit professional theater. Okay, so if you want to work film and television, that's all good. But we're looking for folks whose primary commitment is in theater. Uh, there's another program that you may or may not have looked at, which is our New Generations Mentorship Program. Uh, and that is essentially a, a staff position at a host theater. And it includes the fabulous bonus of uh, a chunk of student loan deferment money. Uh, and there's no other program in the country that, that's like that. So if you are up to your eyeballs in student loan debt, you might want to look at that also. Uh, and for those of you, I, I don't think I asked if any are actors. There also is a, an acting program, but we're talking about directors, I know, primarily here. Um, I should say that um, I'm a lot of times the face of the program. I come out and I talk to folks about our programs, but the selection <coughs> process is really based on a peer panel review system uh, that I and my staff are happy to tell, talk with you about our programs to steer you into which may or may not be the right program. Um, but really, we bring in um, your peers and folks that are the artistic leaders uh, of folk you know around theaters around the country to come in and make those decisions uh, although um, certainly a lot of us on staff have had long-standing um, experiences and, and whatever time in regional theater feel it's important to have that outside view okay uh, so in the director's program the NEA director and designer program uh, it's a two-stage process where there's a preliminary process uh, where I, there will be a separate preliminary panel uh, reading and evaluating your applications, and it's all written at that point. And then if you get beyond that into the finalist stage, there will be an interview process, and we fly people in from wherever you are in the country or out of country, actually. We had somebody in Japan, actually. We had to fly them in for an interview. Um, will fly you in from uh, wherever for that in-person interview with a different group of people. And that's going to be a mix of artistic directors, fr freelance directors, some of whom may have been alums of the program or not. Um, in the mentorship program, the one with the student loan money, uh, there is no interview in there. It is all um, on uh, based on the application. Um, and in both of those programs, I think it's really about you determining that sweet spot uh, of 
are you at the right point in your career, and maybe these guys, B and Michael, will talk about it a little bit. <coughs> are you at the right point in your career to take full advantage of what the program can offer? Because like these other programs, um, and you know, we can open doors for you that you may not be able to open on your own, both domestically and internationally, uh, that may lead to other job opportunities, other professional development opportunities, and do you have the maturity level psychologically, emotionally, physically, uh, to withstand the rigors of uh, an intense uh, period of time, an intense, um, yeah, period of time working. Um, and you have to assess that even before you make that application. Okay. Um, I would say make the application uh, as true to your own voice as possible. Don't try to second guess what we want. Uh, we really want to know about you as an artist and your creative process, uh, what fuels you, what fires you, why you want to stay committed to working in this field, why you're choosing this field at all, uh, versus anything else, you know. Um, and uh, we do have, you know, if you go online, you could see the applications uh, in the directing, the NEA directing program. We do ask for, there's a question that has you talking about um, a production that you already directed and your process on it. And then we do a similar thing to Roger. We'll give you a choice of, say, five different plays, and you pick one. And it's your dream production uh, with the ideal cast and with the ideal setting and all of that. So we kind of get both sides of it. Uh, but really, one of the most important things in the application is you knowing your place in the ecology, you know, where you fit in. And what you want to get out of the program, how can we help you? It's not necessary that um, you know you list, okay, I want to spend time with Manushkin and, uh, and Complicite and whoever uh, you know, around the world. Not so important the names. What's more important is that you know what your strengths and weaknesses are and what you want to get out of the program how you hope to grow, and that's some self-assessment. Uh, almost everyone who has gone through uh, the application process and become uh, a recipient or even not become a recipient process has said that that reflected period, reflective period of time is the most important for you to assess your skills, to figure out, like I said, your place in the ecology and, and how we can help you. Uh, our job is to help you be the best possible artist that you can possibly be and for you to succeed. But you have to come in already knowing a great deal about yourself. And that's going to come across on paper. It will also come across whether you had, you know, somebody, you know, like a development person write it for you. It needs to be your true voice, not grant speak, not grant speak at all. I'll stop there. No, it's great. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I have some follow-ups, but I know because our time with yeah. you, Ellen, is short, yeah, I want to jump for a second to, to what would you, um, what would you say about the interview process? What kinds of, um, are there, are there things that you know, thing, or key points in terms of what to, what to bring to the interview, how to, how to be well, in the interview, Well, I what deal less hear? with interviews right. because the interviews are really done by our mentor directors and choreographers without me anywhere in the room or nearby. Um, but I would go back to what Roger and Amelia both said about that tone, and I think that tone is equally important in interview or in your application. We get many, um, you know, very thoughtful, thoughtful, thoughtful essays and statements and letters of interest. And it's hard, I think, on paper at least, to pull off 
a a tone of whoa. I mean, I'll always get maybe ten percent of my letters of interest with, you know, and I'll read through and it will say, whoa, a fellowship with George C. Wolfe. Wow, how can I not apply for this? And you think this is a tone that you may be able to pull off in person, but it's hard to see the rigor. Mm-hmm. in that kind of a tone. So I would caution you against that. I mean, really treat this as a serious... We want to see rigor and thought, and um, particularly in an observership or a fellowship, uh, which many of you, I realize, are, are beyond observerships. But just as an example, we really want to see a great deal of thought put in as to why that project and why that director is the one that you want to observe, or that choreographer, I'll, I'll say director, just to just to simplify it, but why that project is the right one. And it is about knowing your place in the ecology and what you're going to get out of it. And I, I do see a lot of time people saying, oh, the networking opportunity will be great. It's, it's really not about networking opportunities. None of our programs are about networking opportunities. They're about an opportunity to learn from some of the best in the business. And it doesn't mean that you will become their assistant or that they will take you on to their next project. What it means is that for a period of weeks, you will get to learn by watching or by working with, or, or however you want to phrase it, a, a master's technique. And, uh, and from seeing a master's methods in process from beginning to end. So uh, that doesn't really go no, to your question. It's but fine, I it's do good. think in terms of both an interview and in terms of a, an application, that, that, that tone is crucial. Um, because it, it, it's very hard to take somebody seriously when that's their thing. Whoa, you know, and a fellowship with George Wolfe. I mean, we can all have that reaction, but is that really how you want to spend your page? I don't think it is. So in terms of the interview, what I do come across is I meet a lot of people just at DCNs or at meetings or at open houses that we have. And I love it when people introduce themselves. I feel like, you know, that's great initiative and, and um, you know, that's wonderful. And, and I think more of that, you know, I think you should all go out of your way to do that more often and not take up an overwhelming amount of time, but it's just kind of nice to have a face to go with the applications. Do you have an absolute don't ever wish I never had to read this again? If I saw this in application, I would put it in the wastebasket? Well, what I do have actually is, you know, when, when for many of our programs we use our email, you know, we, we blast our email. I do have an issue when somebody repeatedly asks me to resend them things because they can't find it, because I'm not sure how I can put you in a room with people then. I mean, if you're going to be constantly asking for, oh, can you do, can you give this to me again because I can't remember where I, I placed it, that's a very bad sign for me. The other bad sign is somebody who thinks that they may be the only applicant for something, because I have, I deal with, um, I'm, I'm here only part-time, and I have more than well over 2,000 applicants. Well, probably 2,000 applicants a year for, for various programs, or 2,500 applicants a year. So I can't have a day, I can't have eight hours to spend with one person. You know, I'd love to, <laughs> but that's not, it's just not the reality. So while I love, I love hearing from people, I love meeting people in person, it, it you know, it is always one applicant of, of many, many applicants. So. Well, thanks. 
I just wanted to use as much of you as we could <laughs> in the time we had with you. So um, we've been joined by Michael and B, Beatrice Terry, and Michael uh, Goldfried. Sorry, we haven't met. So <laughs> hello. Hello. Um, so I, I, I actually was, you guys can jump in if you have something to say. I was going to actually ask the same sort of don'ts question about the application. Well, I, I think I should say just Amelia. touch about our application process because um, we have a number of programs and the same application works for them. But that was one reason why we put in what I call the statement of purpose so that why we have a fall we have a fall program. We have a summer program at the Hangar Theater, which is now expanding to its change. It's running in sessions from summer now since they renovated all the way through December. So that we have a lot of change. Uh, we are announcing we, we had a pilot musical theater program last summer, musical directing program, which will be a full program as of November for next year. So we have a lot of different programs, but they use a common application. But we ask you to do a statement so that you're just not blasting everything. Why are you interested in this particular program? You can apply for all three, but what do you want out of this one? What do you want out of that one? What do you want out of that one? That's the first thing. And, and uh, the other thing is... Um, People often say to me, well, I'll, I'll get calls, I, uh, emails, can I apply to this? Is this one right for me? I can't answer that. you got to answer that. I say it's all on the website. If, if you read it and there is something in that description that you think fits a need for you, then by all means you should apply. But that's not a determination I can ever make, nor should I ever make it. Um, when you apply, every program we have has separate, although you're using a common application, they have totally separate panels. Like, first of all, we go, go to a reading panel. Every program has a reading panel that will read the applications. I read everything. The readers, they get your essays and your statement without your names on it. That's all they get. They don't get your letters of recommendation. They don't get your resumes. They don't know you from Adam other than what you put on four pieces of paper. Okay? We then, they have, we spent about five or six weeks reading it. Then I have a day where every reading panel comes together, and we spend a whole day on every program, and usually from about 9 to 4, 9 to 4.30, talking through, basically we grade everybody. you know. And then I always say we don't leave the room until we talk about everybody that wants to get talked about. And we go through eventually, and I open up all the files. We open up all the names. So if there's somebody, because they don't know you by name, they only know you as 43857, and suddenly they're going all the names, and they go, Mary Smith. Oh my gosh, I know Mary Smith. Oh, let's pull out her application and talk about her. You know her personally. Let's talk about that. Um, the other thing we do, so we try to reach a consensus on a certain, like last year, the fall panel was 98, the fall program had 98 applicants. We interviewed 18, took four. Summer program at the hangar had 77 applicants. They had a, a shorter season because they had renovated their theater and they opened later, so we only took three. Uh, and we, so we only interviewed 14. But those are what your odds are to get into the room. And the other thing we do, and you should, I, I, I think it's something that's really cool. I don't, I just happen to really like this. Anybody that gets an A, like we score everybody out. Now, maybe I'm the only person who likes somebody and everybody else doesn't think they're good. We stop and talk about everybody who basically got an A. And it's my job to try to convince the other people on the panel, and sometimes people do. At least we'll keep them in the hopper and keep talking about them and try to get to a consensus. But at the end of the day, I give every panelist a put-in. 
which means there's somebody you like and you're fighting for it and nobody else likes it. And at the end of the day, you go, I don't care. I want Mary Smith to get in here. And I can tell you there are some very prominent drama league directors who are there because one person saw something on a piece of paper and wanted them to get an interview. Then it goes to an interview panel, totally separate panel. They don't know from Adam. They don't know the 18 people that they got. They don't know whether 18 people, whether six panelists thought they were the best or one person put them in. They don't know. Everybody's equal. They start equal all over again. And then we give everybody two interviews. I have like a panel of 10 people and I have them in two rooms. And you get 20 minutes with five people and you get a 20-minute break and you get 20 minutes with another people, another group of people. Um, there are lots of people that's, not a lot, but it's always interesting. Some people can do fabulous in one room and really not so hot in another room. Uh, some people can really maybe bomb out the first time and take 20 minutes to pull themselves together and then really go in and ace the other room. Those are the ones that are fascinating to talk about. When somebody has really uneven scores, which room were they in first? Did they do really well and then then lose it, or did they not do well and figure out how to pull it together? And, and those are good panel discussions. Um, and then to try to get to the consensus of four people for each program. I can't help everybody in the world. And believe me, not everybody in the world needs a Drama League Directors Project. There's some very, very prominent directors that I saw once and perhaps interviewed and they got close and they didn't get in and I would have loved to see them again and they didn't come back to us because they didn't need us. They figured out a way to do it and they're doing really well. But you know what? If, we're, if you see us on the website and what you see is a program you think we can do something for you, by all means, give us a shot. I wish I could help more people. I only take about 12 directors a year through our programs. That's about all I can do. Um, you know, um, but uh, that's what we try to do. Okay? No? Okay. Okay. Uh, one thing that I should say, actually, is that um, we have no quotas in our program. Uh, the strongest, the brightest, the most, except the, basically the program seeks to identify exceptionally talented artists who have a commitment to working in the not-for-profit theater. And if you go through the alumni list, it's an incredible group. Uh, the program, the directing program for the NAA is about uh, 21 years old. Uh, but it's no quotas. Uh, but I'm very, very proud in that uh, we've got a great diversity in our recipients, not only culturally, but aesthetically, geographically for the most part, um, and in, in a lot of different ways. I just wanted to make sure I said that. Um, in terms of uh, the interview process, I don't really, I guess I prefer to maybe look at it from a, a slightly different lens and um, from what works the strongest. Um, I really charge the panel, because um, my role in there, I don't, one of the hardest parts of my job during the panel process, because uh, I'm a very opinionated person, is to be quiet. Um, is to be quiet. Staff is there to observe. We will guide the panel through any questions they may have, but the conversation really is amongst the peer group that we put together. Um, so uh, my job is, is not at all to interject any of my opinions. Uh, so we may meet at a cocktail party or a bar, and I might think you're enormously perfect for the program, but it doesn't matter <laughs> if you convince me. It doesn't matter. Uh, your work is going to have to rise to the top. Um, but in the interview process, I'm really clear about um, charging the panel uh, in looking at the uh, criteria 
Um, they have particular bullet points that are listed in the guidelines, so you should look at that criteria because that's what you're going to be evaluated on, both in the paper process and the interview process. Um, and I'm really clear to try to um, have the panel be as compassionate as possible uh, because nerves are part of the reality in the room. Um, I won't say his name because he's actually a Broadway director now, and he would probably get very upset if I told this story but um, and told his name, but um, he was incredibly nervous and aced the interview. It was a fabulous interview. He fell when he was exiting, when he left the room. He tripped and he fell, and he was mortified, mortified, mortified. Oh, my God, that's the last thing they saw. I've totally sunk it. I can't get this. And so when I called him, um, he was just like he couldn't believe that he actually aced it. So your perception of what happens in the room and how you did is not often reality, right? Um, and also nerves manifest in a lot of different ways. Uh, there was one woman I remember sitting and watching her through the interview. She was wearing you know, a v-neck sweater, and she was progressively getting redder and redder and redder and redder and redder, all the, and she was beat, beat, beat red. And you could tell that she was uncomfortable talking about herself. It's different being in the rehearsal room where you're talking about a project, but talking about yourself, that's a different thing, right? Um, but um, I remember coaching the panel and saying, listen, nerves are going to manifest in a number of ways. Some people, one guy came in, uh, and I'm talking about people that actually were successful and became recipients in the program. One guy, and he just could not stop. He just could not stop talking. It was a monologue throughout, and the panel had questions, and they wanted to interject, and they were interested, but there was no point of entry. And I've had that same situation. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. You just want to go take breath, take breath. And he just was, not, he, it was his nerves, but he wasn't self-aware enough, um, you know. So uh, those are, mo that's rather how I would answer, actually, the question. Um, in terms of um, the scoring, uh, it's interesting hearing about, actually, your scoring process. Uh, the, we score on a 10-4-1 scoring system. Uh, 10 means that you're a perfect match for the program. Uh, your goals and the way that you've uh, written out whatever you've written out are a perfect match when the panel looks at the criteria. A four means you're, you have more strengths than weaknesses, and a one means that you're just not competitive in this particular process. Um, and each individual panel, you guys don't know this actually, uh, and each individual panelist will score each applicant separately. All the scores will be averaged. If there's a conflict, let's say if, um, uh, and we consider conflict to be uh, current or future. So let's say if somebody on the panel uh, was currently uh, an artistic director in the theater and the applicant is, uh, they've, they've brought in to direct a show in the season, that would be a conflict. So they would recuse themselves uh, from discussing that application, from uh, being in on the interview, they would leave the room, and uh, the scores would be averaged by everyone who was left in that room. So it's a slightly uh, different process in that way. Maybe I'll stop that's, there. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure we'll get back to more of that. Yeah. But I'd like to actually, we started by talking yeah. about the, um, the application process. So I'd love for both of you to, to start there as well and talk about how, um, how that process was for you. What was, what was challenging for you? What, uh, you know, what was easy for you? What did you think worked? What didn't work? Hmm. Like that. I was just joking. I feel like I'm reliving these <laughs> traumatic events all over again. I, I, 
little bit. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Um, so, hey, guys, I'm Michael. Um, and uh, so let's see. Um, I would say that um, I'll just say some of the m mistakes I made are things that I learned uh, as free little offerings. Take what you like and leave the rest. Um, I applied multiple times for the Drama League. Um, and the happy ending is that I eventually got it. But before I got it, I think what I was doing in the essays was I was trying to be smart. And I, you know, in the way that you would in an academic setting, you know, intelligent, thoughtful, um, covering all the ground, you know, the smallest possible point size to get as much information and brilliant ideas in there. And um, what the shift that I made was... Um, was really one that I also made in myself as a director is instead of being instead of trying to be smart, to be personal and passionate, mm -hmm. and that that and because that's actually communicating the information they're trying to assess. They're trying to find out who we are as artists, and um, so having a strong take on something and and backing it up uh, is a, ultimately I think more effective than having a very sort of smart dramaturgical analysis of the play that you're writing a production essay on, right? It's not, a, it's not, it's not academia, it's art. Um, and, and I think that these folks are looking for artists. Who are the next artists who have a strong point of view, who can contribute to the American theater with a strong point of view? Um, and that point of view is about, like, what is this play about? How do I want it to look? Why is it necessary to do it now? And, um, <clears throat> and that's, so that's, so that was one shift that I made, um, and um, and then and then I had this really kind of outrageous take on um, streetcar named Desire, which was I think every year I don't know if you talk this like there's a you know or or one of the essays in drama league is like say a, pl uh, a play and and in two pages you say as if you were speaking to one of the lead actors and your design team right so and then I think there's a choice of plays or you know and so anyway it was streetcar and I had this whole like you know gender fuck that I did to it and everything like that. And I think that they were the, the readers were probably so like, what? We need to find out what he's talking about, right? I assume. And some people thought it was a bad idea, and some people thought maybe it was a good idea, but they wanted to know what I was... Then in the room, you know, I, I supposedly, because I got in, that it was something about, this isn't just a cool idea, but it's actually grounded in what I think the heart of the play is about. So again, it's like how... Like, it's always about the play, but keep make sure that it's about your response... To the play, and I do this. I'm not doing this. Um, another little thing is that in the drama league, these panels, right? In both t cases, they're 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 panels. But um, one's like a kind of like a conference room. The other's like like a little like death panel, right? In the drama league, right? <laughs> not really. They're very good people. But you are it's, it's you're in a chair, and there's a table, and there's like four people you really respect on the other side, and that's one out of two times you do it. And um, I. I'm gonna give say something that I usually only say to like my cl closest friends that I really want to get into the drama league, but I'm gonna say it to everyone here, and it is that I learned. I used to if there was like three people who were like friendly, interested, and then there's like the fourth person who was like <laughs> that I would gear everything towards the skeptical person because I thought, oh, I've got those three. Let me win over the one who's crabby, right? <laughs> However. You know, like we say to actors, like, you, can, you, you know, you have an action, and you can only do one action at a time, right? So my action was desperately trying to please someone, right? When in fact, what I learned was the fourth one is actually the one to ignore. 
and to stick with the three who are seemingly interested because then my action is to passionately and in a relaxed way, passionately and relaxed, speak about myself and the work and what I care about. And that is the difference. And I, when I, because someone really challenged me and I, I just blew it because I was trying to please someone who was being challenging for the fun of it or for whatever reason. So, um, so stick with the people who seem to be wanting to engage in a conversation. And the people who are crabby, let, you know, I would say they'll come around or they won't, but you know, you know, um, I think that's, and then, oh, maybe just say one thing about the, the, the TCG, um, that, uh, uh, there was something that I thought was pr probably the hardest thing for me was this thing, be prepared to speak about yourself for um, a minute and a half at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. And that was so hard for me to try and encapsulate who I am and what I care about and why this is the right moment for the grant, for the program for me, and uh, it's not a grant. And um, uh, it's, not a fellowship. it's not a fellowship either. <laughs> right. Did I say that? I'm nope. sorry. Not it's yet. A, okay, it's a program. <laughs> and um, but it was a very useful thing. And I practiced with friends. And when I first started, it was terrible. It was terrible. But because I was rambling, and as I am now, and <laughs> it was all over the place. And but the thing is, is that in crafting that, I was actually able to crystallize. The information they really are interested in, which is, who are you, what is your work, and why is this program a good fit? Mm -hmm. And that is really what it's about. It's not, are you good or are you bad? Are you worthy? Are you unworthy? It's, it's who are you, and can you, can you make, just as if when you're in an audition, it's not about, is this actor good or bad? It's, is this actor bringing something that feels like the right fit for the play I'm doing? And you know, as directors, you really want them to succeed. You're looking for the part, so it's like... They're relieved when you're relaxed and prepared and passionate, you know, because that actually helps them do the, the job they're there to do. Yeah, I just have to underscore the elevator speech part. Oh, I elevator mean, you know, speech, right. Yeah, I mean, we say this a lot and, and think this a lot, but it really is true. I mean, you, it's the cocktail party slash elevator speech slash, you know, you have like barely 90 seconds or you have 30 seconds to get your point of view across. And so what is somebody going to walk away with feeling about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I I totally agree that it's a great idea to um, to practice. You know, when if you get as far as the interview, it's a, it's a great idea to practice. And and really, with all of the applications, read the question and don't answer another question. Read the question. And the other thing I will say about the application process is um, you are you cannot get past that application process unless what they see on paper reflects something, reflects you, but also is well written. Because if it's, mm -hmm. if it's just kind of rambly and bad and has bad grammar and bad spelling, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to, you know... It's like walking in with a big stain on your tie, you know? They're not going to get past it. So, you know, get somebody to read it for you and to, um, to make sure and to ask you questions. Did you really mean this? You know, is that what you really meant to say? And you say, yes, because well, they say, well, write that, because what this is doesn't make any sense, you know? So you ha that, has to be, that has to get you there. You know, it doesn't matter how great your concept is. It matters how well you express it on this piece of paper because <laughs> that's how it goes. 
Um, I will concur with Michael that um, I, I applied twice for the Drama League. Uh, first time I did not get my app, and my paper application was not successful. The second time I got to the panel, the Death Squad. And my experience was this. My first, the first time I wrote about a play, I took a play that I really loved, um, which was a Tennessee Williams play. And um, I wrote what I thought was a, just a, a, a beautiful explication of how I wanted to do this play. And it was a very sort of elegant, subtle, nuanced sort of interpretation of this play. <laughs> then I took, the next year, a play that, I like it, you know, Buried Child by Sam Shepard, I like it, and I wrote a whacked out, um, uh, way out there kind of interpretation. You know, this is how I want to do it. I want vines crawling up the wall. I want this, I want that, I want that. Interview. So um, I'm just saying, you know, you have to get people's attention. And maybe subtle and nuanced can do it, but it wasn't my experience. Um, and maybe, if I may say, maybe subtle and nuanced was harder for the reader to see. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Whereas Vine's crawling up a wall, I actually get yeah. what that is. Yeah, and when I said, you know, I want to, um, uh, one of those guys in the subway who plays that Chinese instrument, which I used to know the name of, the, the stick and the thing, playing American um, folk songs, you know, as the accompaniment. That's like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool, you know. So so that was something like people could grab on to see on paper, whereas my very, very subtle clothes for a summer hotel, forget it, didn't, didn't, didn't grab people's And I just say the key word in there is see. I want to see, you, you see a production on paper, I need to see the show that you see. Yeah. And that can be very hard. Sometimes. Right. And if it's all about subtle shades of emotion, you know, is that really, is that really something that is going to come across on paper? So that's, see, it's a thing to think about. Actually, I disagree. I'm kind of okay. uh, in that way that I think, um, and maybe it's just the way and partly that we charge the panel, uh, but it's what I was saying earlier about uh, it can be vines or it can be nuance. Yeah. It just has to be who, uh, who you are who you as an artist. artist. It yeah. has to be true to your core as an artist. It's going to come across as false or gimmicky. I remember there was one application where somebody, um, they did almost kind of a collage thing on the application and it was like handprints and it was just bizarre. And like, okay, yes, it's gimmicky, but what am I supposed to make from this, let alone a panel? It's getting our attention, but attention in a negative way. Um, and and I can't get a sense of, of what they're trying to convey. So... You may be a very new, that may be who you are and your aesthetic and your way of working, and I think that's great. I want to see that, and I want to, but the main thing is what Roger said, then you, your task is to then communicate that in a way that the panel is going to be able to understand that. So that's articulation. Clearly, um, and uh, in our applications, it drives. I'm I'm so surprised where people. I'm not saying that you um, were very clear about point size and about page breaks and about white space. You know, you have to respect our guidelines, which are a little anal in that way. Um, yeah, but it's particular because yeah. a panel is. They're going to have to read like you know more than a hundred of these things, yeah. and they're going to go blind if it's like seven point, you know, font. Mm-hmm. 
but sometimes people do not, not only do they not answer the question that's asked, they don't answer it. It's blank. And uh, it dro- I just don't understand that at all. Why would somebody Seems not to use the space to <laughs> tell us about yourself? Well, um, I don't get that, but I, I, we asked for a two-page production essay, and I have people give me a page and a half. And I'm like, that's all you can think of for a play? Is a page and a half? I mean, I think putting a play on two pages is like, how would you do that? But I, I, I you know, people give me this sort of empty space at the bottom. I'm like instantly like, oh, come on. You know, I... Now, I will say that the third thing I applied for was the NETCG, and I felt like um, I felt like that application by that time I'd gotten good at it, and um, I, I and I felt like I really put myself on the page in that application, and um, and I, I do think if you're really able to do that, you know, if you are really able to give us a sense of, you know, they asked for a little bit of my background and so forth, and I thought, well, here you go. And um, I, I really felt like that was the most personal application that I did. And, uh, and you know, so, so there's that, too. Um, uh, in, in terms of the interview, I have to say, with all due respect, that there are individuals in this room that you go into. And sometimes somebody there likes you, and sometimes somebody there has read your application and they already don't like you very much when you walk in the room. They don't like that you said you wanted to work with Nishkin. They think she's full of crap. Or they don't <laughs> like that you said you wanted to work, and I have a friend who they didn't like that she said she wanted to work with this director, and this person was you know, sort of antagonistic with her in the interview. And so that can happen, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would say on, on the, on, in the main, they get some great people who make it all the way through the process. But it doesn't mean that you can't get, you know, a kick in the stomach sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, have, I have had that experience mm-hmm. in those interviews of having somebody who just had his... Mm-hmm. Own complete and total mm-hmm. agenda, and it's like, why, why, why are you picking on me? I mean, I don't even have a career, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we can, if I can say, we can consider these moments gifts because it's an opportunity to. And I was talking about like just in terms of who you would make eye contact with, but if if someone comes at you with something, the reason that it's an opportunity is it's like, um, I. Uh, well, yes, yeah, some some people might not like Manushkin, but for me, the reason I'm uh, want to work with her is because she does, you know, whatever it is, you know, sort of interpretation, large scale ensemble, like, and that is what I the, the the part of myself as an artist that I want to develop. So it's like taking it away from the personal opinion and bringing it back to yourself. It's like it's kind of a jujitsu thing. Like, no matter what you say, I'm going to be able to bring it back to myself and my work and how it relates to the possibility of this program. It's, you know, there's, then there's no fighting, right? You know, it's like if you're dealing with a difficult actor and then it's about their ego, you say, ah, yes, but here in the story, you know, when you always have a way of bringing it back to the thing that matters, the thing that matters is, is, is yourself as an artist and, and your work. And um, I would also say that any, you know, strong belief that you have, theater should be this, right? And I came in once in my earlier years, and was like, theater should be this. And someone was like, great, give me an example in your work of how it's like that. And I was like, oh my God, I had worked on the declaration 
I was all set with that, but I hadn't put it together. It seems so obvious now, in hindsight, right? So theater should be this. In my work, this is an example of how I manifest that. You know, the relationship between the actor and the audience needs to be a party. And in my production of Tartuffe, we all had drinks, and there were cocktails, you know, whatever, like, whatever. I mean, just, it should be this, and then I make it this. And that connection between the, 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 the manifesto and the example of your work, that's the connecting force that's going to get them to actually know who you are. Mm-hmm. And can I, one other little <coughs> word of advice is, the most recent thing the, all the people in the room will have done is read your stuff. So keep a copy mm-hmm. and read Absolutely. it before you go in. Yeah. And Absolutely. if you make some, you know, if you say, and I, there are certain designers that I really admire and I would love to see their work, and they go, who who, who write those for you? go, you can't think of a designer to save your soul at that moment, right? So, mm-hmm. so you, you know, you, research, you make sure that you have mm-hmm. the stuff to back up all the things that you say in your application that w- in the NEATCG application is particularly like that. They ask you what sorts of things you might be interested in doing. And so, you know, go beyond the obvious. Um, uh, remember that it's nonprofit theater, <laughs> you know, <laughs> go beyond the obvious, look at things that are outside of New York, outside your ken, things that, that would really stretch you rather than mm-hmm. just the things that are, this is exactly what mm-hmm. I want to do, I want to observe this person who does what I want to do, you know, and um, I mean, when I did the program, I went, you know, all kinds of things that I didn't mm-hmm. say that I wanted to do, which is always happens, I think, on that program, but, um, but I did but I ultimately did everything that I said that I wanted to do as well. So, um, you know, so, so give that a lot of thought. And that's the kind of thing they want to know, too. Can I help this person? You know, can I, can I get them to uh, a children's theater, you know, to observe? Can I get them to a place where they're doing devised theater? Can I, you know, so they want to know how, what they can, what the program can do for you that you can't do on your own. Yeah, I mean, I think it's actually, um, Ellen earlier had said uh, flexibility was something that she was looking for, and I think absolutely that's a cornerstone of all of our programs, because life happens, you know. You write the application, and the deadline is December, the interviews are June, July, you start the program in September, and a lot of life has happened in the meantime, and your thinking may have changed about things, or your influences may have changed, and um, I think... um, Let's say if you do make it into the interview process, we want to know what has changed for you in that interim. What in your thinking has refined, or what other questions did you did you have? Uh, and it may change again by the time, let's say, you're a recipient and we have the orientation meetings. I mean, it will change again. It will change again midway through the program. Um, one of our uh, designers, Louisa Thompson, was a great uh, designer, New York-based. You might know who she is, actually. But originally coming in, she had wanted to spend time with a lot of architects, with Diller and Scafidio, with you know a ton of architects. Midway through, she said, you know what I really want to do is I think I want to start a children's theater company. I mean, that was like 
way different, but uh, she, we talked it through, and there was reason for that, and so we helped her through that, and then that changed. So uh, once you make it through, we do try to be as flexible in, ultimately, like I said, we are there to serve your needs and to make you the strongest artist possible. Uh, there are certain ramifications and guides, and we won't have you go back working with somebody that you've already got a relationship with. That's not our program. It's to stretch you in the maximum possible way that we can, um, either domestically, internationally, whatever that may be. And um, I, I wouldn't, Michael, uh, both of you guys have said that, you know, you would apply to programs multiple times, and that can be a kick in the gut. I know that. I, I know how difficult that can be, actually. Um, but maybe... Um, uh, there were, are a couple of people, quite a few recipients that have gone through our program who have applied a couple of different times, and sometimes it is just not the moment yet, you know. You're not fully um, clear in your goals in knowing what I was talking about at the top, your place in the ecology as well, how the program can serve you, uh, your knowledge of the field, how you are, your comfort level and flexibility in stepping outside of your comfort zone you may not have been ready that other time. And so if you've re, you know, applied once, not gotten it, and particularly if we say to you, we strongly encourage you to reapply, you know, if you've been an alternate or whatever, um, then I would really think through that process. We're always happy um, if you make it through to the interview process uh, and you don't receive the grant, we will give you feedback. We will give you um, unattributed panel comments um, to let you know what was the sticking point there and to help you in your next go-round, whether it be with us or whatever, uh, whoever else. You're, you're shaking your head. Uh, yeah, I do the same thing. Um, people often call or want to come in and I can't do that, but if they'll send me an email, I'll respond to it. I'll tell them what I can and unattributed comments. Um, I'll let them, often I get, why didn't I get an interview? I'll tell them how they scored, how they stacked up. I mean, let's face it, when I have 98 applicants and I'm interviewing 18, that's 80 disappointed people. You know, and I'll let them know, you were in the top third, you were close, you were in the bottom 50%. You know, you want to get a shot at this? This is where you're really lacking. Let's look at your essays. You know, the highest score you got was a 2.5, you know, and it's not going to get you there. It's like a C, you know, you're not going to get to the end of the class with a C. Um... You asked about no's. I'll tell you the other thing. I, I'm, I'm putting together all the programs. They work as groups. You know, the four fall fellows, the fall program's on right now. They begin together. They go off to different assignments, assisting. But they're all going to come back and direct an evening of four one-act plays together. Uh, and it's a, it can be a real challenge putting on four plays. There's a lot of difference between four one-acts with one director and four one-acts with four directors. And, and they get a full design team, they each get a casting director, we give them a full off-Broadway play, but they have to learn how to work together and stuff. So I, basically I'm looking, and the same with the summer program, that they're going to spend a lot of time together up at the Hangar Theater. I'm looking for people that can get along, It can be part of a team, and can support each other, and want to contribute to and learn from each other. They're all going to be different, and that's what, what is good in the mix, but I'll tell you a secret, a big thing, at the end of the day, I, you know, they wait all day in a waiting room, and my two assistants bring them in and out, and I ask them to watch the room all day. Who gets along? Who doesn't get along? Who's a pain in the ass? You know, I, I, you know one day, one year, I, was, I said, okay, these are the four people we're interested in, and I said this one woman's name, and she threw her pen down on the ground and go, you can't. You just fucking can't. I'm serious. And I said, what's the matter? She goes... 
she was horrible. She was a horror show. I mean, she just went off on this girl for like five minutes, and I was like, holy smokes. And I'm like, we all liked her. And luckily, she had a recommender who was an alum from the program who'd been her teacher. So I called her up, and I said, you got to know, we all liked her, but my assistant just went off on her and said she was really nuts. And I got four people that really got to work together. And so I really want to talk to you about her because we really couldn't decide whether she should come in or not. And she goes, oh, my God, that's not her at all. She's wonderful. What's going on? I said, well, would you try to find out what's going on? So she calls her up. She finds out. This is a true story. She had her wisdom teeth pulled the day before, but she didn't tell anybody. So she's on all these painkillers. So she's acting really nice, but she's like, she was just as grumpy as heck and not cooperative with anybody and all sorts of stuff like that. So we were like, really, should we do this? So we finally took a chance on her. She turned out to be great. She turned out to be wonderful. But if I didn't know somebody that I kind of called on her, she would have never gotten in because we were like, after we heard, I'm Christina's the nice person. And boy, she just went off on this girl for 10 minutes. And I was like, ooh, true story. Okay. So you never know. You never know. You never, I mean, in this business, you can't afford to burn bridges because you never know it's going to come back around, right? So, but it's just like the person you like who's really nice and you go out to dinner and they treat the waiter like crap. It's like, what is that? You know, we've all been in that situation. It's like, no, no, no. Be nice to my assistant. It helps me. Mm -hmm. That's bad on a date. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a real buzz. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So if there's something from both of you that, either the one thing you wish you knew before you started or the most important thing you would say to somebody if you haven't already said that, what might that be in, about the process as a whole, the application, the interview? Um, I said a lot of what I'd say already, but I, this is one thing that, um, you know, the, the, the TCG and the Drama League, and um, our national organizations, although they're both based in um, on Eighth Avenue, but um, like in other words, it's helpful for us to think about. And maybe I missed the beginning about the ecology. This may time with that, but like where my work and my aspirations for my work fit into the American theater. I mean, that, you know, TCG's magazine is called American Theater. It's it's not just New York, and um, and. I had a friend who is a filmmaker who, who, who writes, gets grants, stuff like that, and I was like, can you please look at this? And she, know, she knew me well, and she was like, what's missing here? There's two things that are missing here, and uh, one of them is how your work fits into what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And just in this sort of moment, so whether that's political or social or, or whatnot, just does it in any way connect um, because... Because I think the people who are looking to, you know, to give, to, to bring bring people in, it's like, they're wondering why, it's like when you say, why this play now? Why do I need to direct this play now? There's the now part of it also. Um, and the other thing she pointed out was that, and B touched on this when she was talking about, um, the, uh, bringing yourself to it. So I, um, I never, I didn't, in the draft I gave her, like, I, I never used the word gay in it, although a lot of the plays that I was interested in and, like, some of my history and stuff like that, it had it, and I realized that in a way I was just kind of writing in that, like, a subliminally closeted way, right? And um, that, so I just, I, I put it in there, not like that's, like, you know, fulfilled some, you know, quote, it's so hard to find gay directors that when one comes along, you know. Gay men. Gay right, exactly, thank you. Um, my point being that it's that actually, like you were saying, that actual willingness to say, this is who I am. 
this is the work that I want to do. And it's great because in the, like the theater, it's it really is about the art. You know, this is not about this is not like Hollywood where it's about how much money can you make, how many tickets can you sell. This really is a, is an opportunity to have self-expression that will not be judged other than on its value as as art. And so um, that kind of bravery, it was very helpful to get those two notes from her. Um, I think the combination did help in terms of the effect. I, I think that the, what I learned in the long run is, first of all, I was so much more prepared by the time I got to my NEATCG experience as opposed to the drama league when it was like, what, what, what? And um, because I had gone through the drama league, you know, and... Um, uh, but so, so I was not defensive. I was able just to be sort of open-hearted in my application and sitting in front of that panel. And I was able to sort of drop a lot of the need to be, an, you know, affect and all that kind of thing and just kind of be excited about the things that I wanted to talk about. And, you know, I had worked freaking hard on my application and... On um, you know these you know they say bring in these production notebooks and I gathered all this stuff and I was very enthusiastic to bring it all in and um, I I think that you know that showed through that and the fact that there was somebody on the panel who was so predisposed to like me when I walked yeah. in I was like you're my friend and I'm going to talk to you and the rest of you people can listen so it was a similar sort of deal um, so but but I I, I do think that. If you if you go into it rather than trying to strategize, you know, if you go into it like I want to have this experience and I want to talk to you about it, and and uh, the more you know me, the more you're gonna think that this is the right fit for you and for me, the better you're gonna do. Just like a job application, you know, just like a job interview. If you're very mm -hmm. closed, you're not you're not gonna get very far. And it's the, it's the same thing. And and to remember. There are a bunch of individuals on that panel. There are a bunch of individuals who read it. There are a bunch of individuals in those interviews. And so, you know, you may strike out once, but you'll learn a lot from striking out. You know, so try again. <laughs> I'll just say one other thing, which is that before the, the TCG interview, uh, there was like a, it was in July, so starting in like late May or June or something like that, I, um, I changed... I changed my diet, and I went on a, a little fast cleanse, and I started up therapy again, and I did all these things, and it was like, I used it at, because I, I was so intimidated by this idea of saying, I deserve this, that I needed to um, kind of just shed, cleanse, and see if, how much I could, like, whatever I could do to quiet the voices of doubt and allow the voices of, of self-worth to emerge, and that's a good idea for any of us to do on the planet. But it was like I used the occasion of this interview. So when I went into went that, into I felt yeah, training, training. exactly. Because if it was a marathon, yeah. I went in as light and clean and clear as I could. And if I had not done that, I actually think that I would not really would not have have done as well. And by as well, not have shown myself as clearly. That's the well that I'm talking about. So that was that was a preparation. That I, I did as different but similar preparation in that I, um, I I did so much work on 
ex- every part. I had t- then I took my application, and I, you know, I took every question and I expanded that into this giant balloon of things that I could talk about and things that I'd seen. And so I was prepared to talk about anything there, and it it made me so free and not fearful that I would get a question that I didn't know how to answer, and um, which is which is what flummoxed me in my first drama league interview when they asked me something. You know, they asked me to write about the Scottish play, and I wrote this whole thing, and I was never asked until the last this many minutes of the interview, and they said, so tell us about this, and I went, uh, okay, and then somebody said, and who would you cast? And I went, they didn't ask me about that. I, mean, I was like, I had no idea. No idea. I couldn't think of an actor. Couldn't think of a person who I would cast at, in that play. So, um, you know, that's the kind, that's why I say study what you have done. Keep a copy of it. Be prepared. And, um, and um, then you're free. You know, mm. you can just go in and be. And those lists are great. Like, I would say that, like, any time that I'm going in to meet with a theater professional, like an artistic director, for example, or, or something like that. I've, you know, like, there's the list of playwrights that I'm interested in. You know, the ones that are, like, you know, everyone's heard of, and the ones that, like, I personally like. The designers, the theaters, international artists. It's just, like, lists. Because that, I mean, I've just had such egg on my face when when I'm asked, and I just, I'm blanking. Blank. Well, I, I, I say in an interview, that. tell me a play you'd like to direct. And someone sits there in silence. It's like... I'll play. Come on, you know. I, I, I mean, some people can rattle off four or five, which I, you know, I personally think every director should have four or five dream productions. But I've had people who literally are staggered and can't. And I realize maybe the whatever, but they literally can't come up with a title for me. And it's like, you, I'll be honest. Everybody usually is trying to help them, trying to will a title into their head. <laughs> I'm serious. Both panelists don't want you to saw flop. last season that yeah. interested you. Oh, yeah. yeah. So adding to that list, certainly school. plays you, dream plays to direct, and sh- and productions you've seen you've liked and why. I mean, that's that. Yeah, that's thing. another you big thing. Tell us a play you saw recently theater, even that you, you liked and, and you get blind. <laughs> yeah. Well, Go ahead, go ahead. I just wanted ahead, to just sure. throw out one thing that just came to my mind. Just I, I travel a lot. I'm on the road like a lot, a lot. Um, and New York is a particular animal, and we see we're a national program, so uh, our applicants are from all over the country. Um, New York is a very particular animal, and there are the stresses that are in this city uh, that you're feeling that are not necessarily being felt around the country. You know, it's the pressure of compression of the way the city is set up, and of um, the influence of. of you know, the commercial world, on the not-for-profit world, you're being torn in so many, uh, you know, making your rent, that you have to live, you know, way the heck out wherever it is, and you're an hour and a half into, you know, Manhattan or whatever it is. There are particular stressors that you in New York are dealing with that um, are particular here. And I would say that um, a lot of times that burden gets carried into the interview room. 
and you can't not because that's who you are and that's part of your life experience, but you have to find some kind of way to transcend it and to put it to the side and to say, okay, well, that's, and I think it has to do, it made me think about it when you guys were talking about preparation, about getting yourself in the best mental space to do it. Uh, because New York, we're, I mean, maybe because I was just at this yoga ashram this mm. weekend, and uh, one of the guys said, you know, I want to be, you know, why are we all here? And one guy said, well, you know, I, I need to practice with really stressed out New Yorkers because these are the only people that understand what I'm going to have to go back to on Monday and go, oh, yeah, I'm there. Um, but you have to find whatever way for yourself to put that to the side and then communicate in the most positive way you possibly can and not let those obstacles you're facing speak for you and define who you are. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yes. okay. The night before the Drama League interview, I think I was up and only slept two hours. The night before NEATCG, I prepared and slept like a baby. <laughs> Maybe better than a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe better than a baby. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I think it's probably about time for us to open it up and uh, for questions from... Oh, I had two questions. One in relation to, to something you said earlier. So what if you do have like a dual focus? So let's say you're a director, choreographer, and you're equally, um, sort of you have equal drive, equal credits. So does that mean that that you're going to consider that um, like a weak application if they're applying for, say, a directing thing? Because I think that's something you sort of indicated. Uh, I would. Or somebody, I mean, somebody did. Uh, well, I I might have um, not been clear um, that the program that we have is uh, for theater directors, but we're looking at theater in its broadest definition. Uh, so you could be working in a really ensemble way. You could be, like I said, one of the slashers where you're doing it all. You're, you're, you're the auteur type, like a Robert Wilson, where you're designing it, plus you're directing, or like a Richard Foreman. Uh, our program is open to all of those things, but you do, when you're filling out the application, have to speak primarily from the lens of the director. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, my second question was, what if, um, say for personal reasons, there's been a year that you haven't been able to do any work? Um, so if you're submitting your resume, um, how do you have any suggestions? Have you come across I, that? I think I'd say why. You know, I, I, I've had people that say, hey, you know, I, I had to go home to take care of a sick parent for eight months. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'd rather know that than thinking that you were just not interested or couldn't get a job, right? Well, and also, frankly, in this field and at probably the point in your career where you are, you're not each going to have, like, a nonstop 12 yeah, months, totally. you know, working in every Lord A out there. Yeah. You know, so there are going to be gaps. Yeah. That's the reality of where you are at the point in your career. You know. Thank you. Do you require dates on the resumes? Yes. Yeah, I, we do, too. Yeah. Because again, if you, if if your rec most recent credit is 2007, then I want to know what you've been doing for three years. Or 1997. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But a regular directing resume would not have dates. No. Only mm -hmm. the like the mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. This does. Thank yeah. you. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Alexis. Uh, I I was hoping you could talk a little bit about grad schools and uh, mm -hmm. if if that influences mm. your decisions. Mm. Uh, if you've seen applicant has been to grad school 
Uh, for us, no. I think there are many, many paths to the same place. Um, I mean, again, what we're looking for is um, a person at the right point in their career who can take full advantage of what the program has to offer, and someone who um, has got a pretty formed sense of aesthetic and sense of artistry. Um, I don't think that uh, our program, not I, but our program, um, doesn't believe at all, although a lot of our people have gone through grad school. The four summer directors and the four fall directors for the first time ever, not one of them has an MA. Wow. I've won with an MA, and mm. one that was working on a PhD was in the summer program, but I didn't have one MFA. Just the way it worked out. I would say for me, I don't know if I would have done either of these programs without it. Not because of what it looks like on a resume, but because of my my evolution as, a, as a, an artist and, and just knowing about theater and stuff. So I, personally, I, it was a very good thing for me to do. Let me just ask the uncomfortable question. Um, it's two parts. The easy one for you too. Have you real? Have you have you gone? Have you seen through the process that there is the application speak, the things that you say, the things that you don't say, how you form the sentences, and all of that for them. How you write it, and then how you live it once you get to the place where the artistic director may say, "Yes, we brought you in because of all of this. Don't worry about it because the budget's sixteen dollars. Do what you got to do." As opposed to all of that, all that has informed you on being who you are, that literally translates from one to the other, to the program, wherever you're at, and all of that. And there is a line. Or do you see the inconsistencies once you get to whatever the theater is for what the realities are in the time that you're at? Well, it's, you know, it's not none of these pro... Well, I guess the hangar, I mean, there's a job there at the end of that, but NEATCG, it's not... It doesn't really get you to a job. It does not get mm -hmm. you to a job. Yeah. It gets you a lot of places generally to observe people or to uh, assist people or to hang out at a theater for two weeks like I did and watch the operation of it. So um, um, it, it it's not... It's not getting you a job. So that, I mean, the, the question you're asking sounded like... Not, not for a job, but mm -hmm. to the theater itself where you actually can watch the functionality within the realities. Right. Well, they're course. not looking for anything from me. I'm, I'm looking for something from them, which is to observe how they work. So, um, you know, what, what, what the useful part of it is to see how, you know, how... Uh, how a theater works, and you know there are all kinds of compromises on every level, and that's that's life. But you know, as an as an artist, you have to learn which ones are the ones you can live with and make your art, and which ones are the ones you absolutely cannot live with. And um, so I don't I don't feel like there was any disconnect for me from you know I still want to do those things that I said I wanted to do and I'm always looking for the way that I can do them, and I'm always trying to live up to the highest version of that. So. And then sometimes you do the $19 version of it. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, Still the version you can of it. do a really good $19 version if you're, you know, sometimes. But if, if 
you know, if, if you're a, if what you want to do can be done that way, and if it can't, don't do it. You know, but I don't think the program had me make any of those. In what nothing to do with either of these programs made any of those compromises. That would be more in the working world, I think, where you would run into those kinds of things. Was there a part two to that question? Yeah, there seems to be a. There is a box, for lack of a better phrase, that everyone must conform to in order to get from one, from the written, the, the written essay, you're looking for certain things, the interview, you're looking for certain things. If someone's resume or some other part of the application is, is simply lacking, but they are brilliant in these other things, does your establishment allow for looking outside of the box, or is it simply 10 for a one? Just what this is, and if you don't, ooh, if he has, if he has one recommendation. I see people with lots, with lots of promise, but they don't have experience yet. And I'm like, I think you need to get some experience. I don't think you are ready to take care, ready to really use what we can offer you. I think you need some more training. I think you need some more experience. If, I, I've had people apply to them directed a play or directed a couple scenes. And, I, I, you know... I've got to send them to a theater with a director that they're going to assist who wants to know they're getting somebody good. You know, they're going to put up a show. I want to be sure they're ready to use the opportunity I, I have because there are 97 other people who want that same opportunity. I'm trying to find the best four people I think who can really take advantage of what I have to offer. But believe me, somebody like that, I will send an encouragement letter to. I do it all. I do it all the time. Out of the reading panels, I find people that I don't think are ready to be interviewed, but I will send four, five, six letters to them, and and the same in the interview, that they didn't get in, but I they were close, and we like them, and I will send them notes and stuff like that. So I do that. Now, anybody can, can write to me and ask for something, but I really pick out people that I, I, I put a big EL on their application, encouragement letter. I want to send them something, say, keep at it. There's something here. Come back and see us in a couple of does that help you? Yes. And for us, uh, we have baseline criteria that you do have to meet. You have to have directed three professional productions, although, again, the definition of professional is we're not saying it's got to be an equity production or even a Lord Theater. It, the intent has to be professional. Again, our program is looking for exceptionally talented artists who are committed to a career in the not-for-profit theater. And if you can convey that in whatever way, that's what they're looking for. Uh, again, you know, like I said, we've had people uh, at varying stages, uh, some that have gone through um, grad school, some that have had their own companies, a, a variety of experiences. Uh, but we're looking for talent. And we're looking for long-term commitment. Does that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Great. Hi, my name is Sean Pechnik. Um, question is more for Roger. Uh, um, you talked before about uh, looking in the personal statement about what program we feel more attractive no, that, that's, to. Yeah, that's, that's the statement of purpose. Yeah. Right. Sorry, the statement of purpose. That's fine. I mean, you can apply for all three programs. You can apply for as many as you want, but I want to know... You're not just sending it to say, well, I'll send it to all of them, and I hope one of them falls. Why are you interested in the summer program? Right. Why are you interested in the fall program? What do you want to get out of it? I guess I was going to ask you to speak a little bit towards what you're looking for in each of those programs, if there are specific requirements or specific, you know. Well, it lays out on the website what each program does, right. and the best thing I can, you know, and I think it's pretty clear about the differences in, in them. 
And why do both say you're interested in this, the hangar program and the fall program? Why are you interested in both of them? They're, they're going to give you very different things. Why are you interested in them? What can you get out of them? And we didn't do that for a long time, the, the statement, but I started doing that because people, you would call up and you'd say, okay, the panels have met, we'd like to extend you an interview. Quite honestly, it was usually, we'd like to extend you an interview for the summer program. Did the fall panel meet yet? Yes, the fall panel met. We are, we'd like to extend you an interview for the summer program. Don't apply for the summer program if you're not interested in getting an interview for the summer program. <laughs> right? Don't do that. Summer program's a fabulous program, but it's up at the Hangar Theater in Ithaca. It's not out at different regional theaters across the country. The summer program is, is now it's even expanded. It's, the summer program has taken leaps and bounds. They're, they're both really good, but it came from that. Somebody, you know, they really didn't want that program, but they threw their application at everything. Does that help you? Yeah. yeah. I just one question, because um, you mentioned talent, um, which is great. Um, and we all have it in this room. There's lo like loads of it. Um, I'm sorry I'm not that familiar with your applications, but um, so you did make that decision um, like like through video showing or also through recommendations? Uh, in the early part of the process, it's through the application form that um, hopefully over 21 years we've cut, and it, we always tweak it, change it from year to year, but it's hopefully refined enough to a point that the panel can tell from the questions that we're asking you and your answers as to your approach and, and your artistry mm -hmm. and your um, sense of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, later on, in there's no um, uh, in the preliminary process. There's no video work sample submission, but uh, you can bring a production book and videos and all of that to the interviews. We don't ask for them. Uh, I, to tr and it's a very difficult thing. I'm, we're trying to pick directors without seeing their work, but we find no common way to do that. Uh, most videos I find are pretty lousy. I spent seven years at the Cleveland Playhouse, and I have some really well-done videos of my productions, but they're not the play. And so someone who's done something on their own with a, with a you know, it's like, no. I, they, I, we just decided not to do that. I, it just, I don't think it's fair to anybody. So it's a weird thing because, um, you know, with an actor, you can audition them, mm -hmm. and they do a little bit of acting of the play. You actually get a sample of what they're going to give you. But for directors, there isn't really a proper equivalent. Mm -hmm. Having said that, our craft is a community, is, a, mm -hmm. is verbal communication, Absolutely. right? It's it's we're, we're managers and we manage through speaking, and um, we're not just managers; we're artists. But so it, so the written part is is a, is a little bit different because it's not a written craft. But you, when you get to the interview, it's like you just kind of be how you'd be with like your favorite cast on the first day. And allow yourself to come out, and it's kind of similar to what it would be like to watch a director work. Yep, and and it's 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 like that, but it's also like getting in a room with an artistic director mm -hmm. and talking, you know, her into thinking you are the right person to come and direct this play. Yeah. So it's like the, I mean that is part of the skill set. So um, they do get to see part of your. Toolbox. So there is somewhat of an audition. First, say thank you very much, Roger, Amelia, B, Michael, um, for a terrific panel. Thank you all for coming. 
Thank you for listening to Masters of the Stage. This program was made possible by support from Stage Directors and Choreographers Society, the National Labor Union celebrating five decades representing the needs and aspirations of its members.